0: I don't want to waste any of our precious time together, so I want to dive right into what will be for most familiar words from Psalm 23. I'm going to be reading from what I realized is the new, new international version. So, they updated the old, new international version. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it, but hopefully our screen and my words will match because I'm now reading from the new, new international version Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters, he refreshes my soul, he guides me along the right paths for his namesake, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for, say it with me, you are with me. words, nuggets of truth and wisdom and beauty in here. But I bring it out this morning because I want to highlight for our With Us series what has been happening over the past few weeks. Since Christmas. We decided that after the trees went away and the lights got put down and the gifts got broken and or lost, most of them, that, that during that busy rush of the Christmas season, we can so easily forget the core, the heart, the promise that we live into and that God is now with us. He is with us ever and always. This was the fulfillment of the promise that was given by the prophet Isaiah long ago. This will be a sign to you that the virgin will be with a child, and it will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we've been living into that promise. Now, like this psalm says, God is with us in good times and leads us in good places, in green pastures, beside quiet waters, he is refreshing our soul. And then it kind of takes that term, even though I, I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as some of the old uh, translations used to say, I will fear nothing. I will fear no evil, for you are, are with me. Now, for the last three weeks, we've been going through some of the dark valleys, right? Some of those death places, some of those hard places. And that's good, because, you know, that, that's where we find ourselves in life, we, we started the journey in the storm. And anybody who's in the midst of a storm of life, immediately you're going to resonate with that narrative, with that story. Yes, thank you for being with me, for having power over the storms of life. And, and, and sort of the, the invitation was then just to call out peace, be still over these storms of life and surrendering all to Jesus. When we landed then on the other side of the shore, and that was the whole thing, going to the other side, going with Jesus means breaking out of the comfort zone, going on new mission fields, going to new places, being stretched, being pushed, being pulled by our Lord. So, so we went with Jesus to the other side. And when we got to the other side, we ran into a demoniac, this man possessed by these demons called Legion. And it was a weird story. It was a wild story, but it's an amazing story. And we learned, I think, the core cool of that for me was remembering then the power of naming, the power of naming the things that are possessing or oppressing us, naming those things that are controlling us and pulling us away from God and away from his plan, away from his best, naming those things. And just the power, the simple power, and and perhaps it has come for you, and maybe it needs to become for for many of us, a, a daily mantra of naming that thing that could pull us away from the closeness, from the abiding presence that we have with Jesus Christ. So whatever that thing is, whatever addiction or habit or hang-up, or maybe it's a toxic relationship or, or whatever it is, we, there's so much power in naming the thing and then moving forward with Jesus. Oh, there, there, there's so much more there, of course. But, but then as soon as he, he, gets to the, uh, he uh, goes back then to the other side and he's met with this crowd, And we met Jesus in some dark valleys there, particularly a man named um, Jairus, uh, whose daughter was sick, and then this woman who had this condition for 12 years who reached out to Jesus. Uh, And and there's just power. We saw so many great nuggets uh, uh, of just over and over again, people going to the feet of Jesus and surrendering their lives, of reaching out in faith. And touching him, and for me, the big takeaway was that that kind of that goofy illustration again that Jesus has this faith dar, you know, not this radar. And I think about that screen in the movies that we've all seen of that 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 kind of that know, that green line, and it's going around, and it, you, you hear that beep whenever something is you know detected on the screen. And Jesus almost has this faith dar where he's going out and he's going about his ministry, but when he notices people coming to him, reaching out to him, extending faith. It, it captures his attention. It doesn't just capture it it, it, it holds it, and it draws him close, and it draws him into them, so that he then reaches out and touches and brings healing and wholeness to them. So, so many beautiful things. But again, all that recap is to say, he is with us in these storms, in these places of death amongst the tombs, or whenever we are crying out from our own wound, or on behalf of the hurt and the brokenness of the, the, the sickness of, of uh, others, and how good that Jesus meets us and is with us at these times. But again, not everybody's in a storm, right? I mean, I mean, I, I mean anybody doing pretty good lately? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I, I, nobody's going to raise their hand. I, why, is there, why is there embarrassment like, oh, I'm afraid. Should I say my life is good? I mean, sometimes sometimes we almost feel that though, right? I mean, there can almost be the sense that people are going through hard times, and we know people are going through hard times. It's kind of that embarrassment like, actually works really good, you know? Like, my marriage is solid. Like, I'm hanging out with my kids and having a good time lately. I mean, life can be good. So, how can God be with us whenever there's green pastures, whenever there's still waters, when when He's restoring and refreshing our soul? I, I find this dynamic. Um, we we love the mountaintop experiences. Uh, y- yesterday, I had I had this opportunity to to skin up to climb up to the top of one of the peaks in Rocky Mountain National Park, three thousand feet, and j- I just had this just had this moment uh, with some with some friends, and just like oh life is so good, and I'm like the Christian of the bunch, and I'm like God is, and we're laughing, and I'm trying to bring God into the situation, and I'm like I'm like mountaintop experiences are are so 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 good, and some of us feel God on the mountaintop what we're learning of course is that whenever we're in the low places in the valley places that's where God is meeting us that's where God is so often growing us and people that I have found seem to be wired for 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 different ways And one of the ways is whenever things are good we kind of think I'm the master of that I'm in control of that right I've done that and we can kind of forget about God so for the people that when all is going good, we have to remember that God is the giver of all these good gifts. And he's still with us. But then others, they wait till they get into the valley, right? And then they call upon God. Oh, God, everything went south. Everything's gone bad. Now will you meet me? Yes, God will meet us here. But will we follow him? Will we go with him as he draws us out, as he moves us forward, as he restores us? And so we want to talk this morning about a couple ways that God is going to be with us. Now, there's a multitude of ways that we can experience God and God can be with us. But these are three things that are important for every believer. Everybody who wants to be with God and God with us, we are going to have to tap into these three things. These are probably, I believe, the three main tools that God is going to have for us to have this with us relationship. So the last three weeks have been very narrative which I love. I'm, gonna, I'm now just warning you right now. I'm going into teaching mode. Some of you will love it. Some of you like the narratives. Some of you like the good old teaching. Anyways, I'm giving myself a break from uh, you know, the, kind of the narrative because we need to do some teaching. We need to remind ourselves of some of these deeper truths and just settle into this. So the three ways, again, that God is going to be with us always, by His Spirit, by His Word, and by His body. And all of us need to take these three tools, these three opportunities that He is giving to us quite seriously if we want to move forward in our faith. So let's dive into the first one here, of course. God is with us by His Spirit. This is the promise that Matthew ends with. The Gospel of Matthew, the writer there, he starts his story of Jesus, his Gospel of Jesus. The promise is being fulfilled Diversions of the child, giving birth to a son. It is Emmanuel. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And then he closes. These are the final words of his gospel. He says this. They'll be familiar words again to many. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. A lot of us know that. Just going to pause for a moment. A lot of us know that as the Great Commission. And what a wonderful calling. What a wonderful purpose. I'll just sort of, I'll forego the whole sermon on this to say, you want a mission? You want a purpose? You want a direction for your life? There you go. There you go. But then this is the final words of The gospel here this is what he wants he's you know just pause long enough to say if if you only ever got matthew's story if this is all you ever heard from jesus and then you had to kind of go on and move forward now this is what he wanted to leave you with jesus saying and surely surely i am with you always to the very end of the age to leave us with that promise that he was coming again. There would be an end to this age, this world as we know it, when the kingdom comes in all of its glory. But he is going to be with us. And the way he's going to be with us was through the promise of his Holy Spirit. The Spirit was promised from long ago. You're going to get a lot of teaching here today. So, you know, take, if you're a note taker, get ready here. So, this is the fulfillment of the promise that came from Joel chapter 2, <clears throat> excuse me, 28 and 29. And afterward, this is after a season where it's going to feel like God, you know, everything was kind of there in a valley, there in a dark place. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days." One of the things that is amazing about Christmas, and we talk about this so often at Christmas, is here we see the fulfillment of, by some counts, maybe more than 300 prophecies about the Messiah, about the Christ coming together. And and when we recognize that and we go into that, as we often do in the Christmas season, we should have this sense of, wow, that is awesome. We can have faith that this Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ and we should put our faith and our trust and, and follow Him. And now, here's the thing: if we read through the Old Testament, you know, the, the, starting in Genesis and all the way through the prophets, and that's a tough go, that's a hard go, but admittedly. And we're gonna be like, okay, we're gonna start taking notes. We're gonna get all these great, you know, kind of again predictions, prophecies, words about this coming Messiah. And we get again by some counts of maybe 300. Here's the thing: if you did that same thing and others have done this, not me, reading notes and commentaries on by others here. If you did this, and were just highlighting things about the Spirit, you would have more information about the Holy Spirit of God than you would about the coming Messiah. We see the evidence, we see the fingerprints, we see the work of the Spirit in numerous and detailed ways throughout the Old Testament leading up to the pouring out and the promise fulfilled through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. If we were to start right from the very beginning, we would see the Spirit there. The Spirit hovering over creation, bringing order out of chaos, bringing life and fulfillment. We would see the work of the Spirit evident in the people that God was using to advance His plan for redemption and restoration of humanity and His creation. We would read about the Spirit coming upon... And I'm just going to kind of go through the list. Remember, teaching mode, sorry, but teaching mode here. We would see the Spirit coming upon Joseph in order to save his family and the nation and to continue on this plan of redemption. We would read about the Spirit filling Moses when he was called to become the deliverer of the people of God and giving him all he standed in need of to lead the people into the promised land. We would read about the spirit falling upon 70 elders that were chosen to guide the people we would read again about the Spirit coming upon a man named Bezel and the other artists who were going to craft the tabernacle. The Spirit would come upon Joshua when the mantle of leadership was passed on to him. The Spirit would come upon Saul, who would be called his king, and leave Saul when he walked away from God. We would read upon the read about the Spirit coming upon David. And I'll just shut up now because I think you're getting the point. The Spirit is all over the promises and the pages of God's work coming to fulfillment. All of this points us towards this work of the Spirit then fulfilled in the ministry of Jesus Christ. When we we're told that the Spirit came upon Mary, as we read about, and that she conceived and gave birth to a son, and then we see the Spirit manifest himself on Jesus at his baptism. When they hear the voice of the Father calling down from heaven, this is my Son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. We see the Father, we see Jesus, and then we see the Spirit descending, and it says, like a dove and laying upon Jesus Christ. And then Jesus says this to his disciples. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you the spirit that was in Jesus Christ, the spirit that would raise Jesus Christ from the dead, that spirit will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then that promise is fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. I've read a ton of scripture, so just skip that scripture because people are probably already feeling like a fire hydrant has been opened up on them. The spirit is the fulfillment of the promise. That Jesus will be with us always to the very end of the age. Now, here's the tough question. Here's the tough question we need to ask ourselves. And I think you're willing to ask yourselves you got up, you got dressed, you got here, there's something you want from God. Ask yourselves this morning Am I experiencing the fullness of the Holy Spirit in and at work in my life? Would anybody here say you have enough of the Spirit? That's a, that's a tough question when the preacher throws that one out there. <laughs> Do you have enough of the Spirit, or would you like more? Would you like more of a sense of His presence in you? Would you like more of a sense of Him leading and guiding and directing you? Here's what I wrote, sort of my... my, my, my Writing to preach became a bit of a journal <laughs> this past week, which is a good moment sometimes. So again, in teaching mode, I'm going to read you some of what I wrote down. I'm going to raise this up because my eyes are getting, how, how t- this thing goes really high. <laughs> Anyways, okay, I don't need it that high. Um, so, so, so I'm going to read some things here and see if this resonates with you, okay? Preacher went into sort of like, you know, counseling mode for myself as I thought about this. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but there's a part of me that is afraid to let go of control of my life or the perceived control I have over my life. I want to be set apart and I want to be different, but I don't want to be so different that I feel like I'm all alone or that I'm not a part of the gang. I want to be one of those Christians who comes into the room and you can tell there's something, is, that there's something different about them. The atmosphere in the room changes. But then I want to be able to leave and go my own way and not be bothered. I want to have the spirit of truth come into my life and reveal the truth to me. But I don't want the truth to hurt or to be uncomfortable Or to to, to reveal any lies in my own life. I want this one that Jesus calls the comforter to come and comfort me. But I don't want to be put into any uncomfortable situations or conversations or circumstances in life. I want this one called the helper to help me. But I want him to help me achieve my own hopes, my own dreams, my own goals, my own ambitions. I want this one called the sanctifier to come in and sanctify me and make me holy and pure, a saint of the living God, but sometimes I want the weekend off. (laughs) And I ended with that, (laughs) because I didn't have the weekend off. (laughs) Is this resonating with anyone (laughs) There's something in us, I think, I'm going to speak for all of us here, unless you just got drug here totally against your will. There's something in us that wants more of Jesus and more of this one called the Spirit. And yet when we really reflect upon what it means to be filled with the Spirit, we have to surrender everything to Him. And so I had to discern, I had to broil this down to what could we do to say, what would it look like to maybe have more of the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, to go forward with the Spirit in our lives? And there's many things. I mean, this is just such a cursory moment here on the Spirit. Um, But one of the things that we clearly have from the Spirit is what the Bible calls the fruits of the Spirit. And so now I'm going to read through the list of the fruits and to continue this exercise that I did that I'm forcing upon you, sorry, I'm going to read the list of the fruits. And what you're going to do is you're going to grade yourself. Don't look to your neighbor. Don't don't look at your wife. Don't look at your husband. Don't grade them. No, no, this is you and God and the Spirit. And we have these fruits, and when we're filled with the Spirit, we should be seeing these fruits grow in our lives. But what I experience in different seasons in life is some fruits are very evident, and others maybe not so much. So here's the thing. I'm going to read them again. And go ahead, and if you're knocking it out of the park, if you're like, I got the peace that is all understanding, give yourself an A, and I hope you get a lot of A's. I mean, it would be awesome if everybody here got a lot of A's. So if you got an A, give yourself an A. If you're getting a B, be you're like, ah, you know, I'm pretty good on that, give yourself a B. If you're like, oh, uh, maybe a little work, you know, you know give yourself a, you know, a, a C. And, and if you're like, I have no self-control, I am out of control, like give yourself the D. So we're, gonna, so we're just going to go and go with your gut. I'm not going to like draw this out too longer now because I got other points to make. Um, give yourself a grade. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Who got straight A's? Anybody get straight No, again, I'm, I'm like taunting you here this morning. I hope you got a couple A's. I, I hope you got a lot of A's. You probably got a few B's. Maybe there's some C's. If, if you have a D in any area, no guilt no shame, just be, just for the next several days, weeks, next season of life maybe, you know, just be like, Lord, I want to be with you. I want you to be with me. You promised me the Spirit. I want to grow these fruits of the Spirit, and Lord, I have no joy. And and, and I want to say it this way. Let me collect my thoughts for just a moment. We are saved by, somebody say it for me, grace we are saved by grace and we get better by our work wait no that can't be right we are we are saved by grace and don't let grace end there (laughs) don't let grace be like all right god saved good let the grace of god and the work of the spirit grow the fruits the fruits in you don't don't be like i need here's what's not going to work I need more joy. Be more joyful. George, be more jo- I cannot will the joy of the Lord in my life. I tried that for a season in life. Receive the joy of the Lord. Beg for it if you need to. But receive these fruits and let these fruits grow in you by His grace. And know that He is with you. So that's it. That's the Spirit. We're going to move on. We know He is with us by the power of His Spirit at work in our lives. We know He is with us, and we are with Him by His Word, by the Word of God. So here's, here's the passage for that one. Uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, this is Paul writing to his protege, Timothy, passing the mantle of leadership on to him, and here's what he says. But as for you, Timothy Let's be clear on this. The Bible doesn't save us, right? Who saves us? Jesus Christ, by his grace. The Bible doesn't save us, but the Bible very clearly, the scriptures, and here it is particularly referring to what we call the Old Testament. We would certainly extend this into now the New Testament, but the scriptures make us wise for our salvation. You can be saved and never pick up the Bible. Let's just be honest about that. Weird for a preacher to say, but you can be, and there have been people that have never learned how to read, never learned how to write. Wonderfully, the people of God have been people of the Word, and we've led literacy, and that's a whole other thing. But you can hear the gospel, which how it was first communicated, you can receive the Holy Spirit. You can surrender your life. You, can do, you have salvation. It is the gift of God. If you want to be wise for your salvation, if you want to empower, equip, enable, move forward in your salvation, we have this gift of the Word of God. And it would be a shame to let it collect dust and to not dig deeply into it. <clears throat> Let's pull up that quote from the, from the uh, book Move that I sent you guys. excuse me, do we have that one up there? Yes? No? Has scriptures appeared on the the screens at all, by the way? Yes? So, okay, all right, because we've been having, okay, so I'm going to read you this, and it's not going to be there. So, here we go. Nothing has a greater impact on spiritual growth than reflection on scripture. If churches could do only one thing to help people at all levels of spiritual maturity grow in their relationship with Christ, their choice is clear. They would inspire, encourage, and equip their people to read the Bible, specifically to reflect on Scripture for meaning in their lives. So that's it. That's it. Nothing has greater impact on spiritual growth than reflection on Scripture. So, studies have done of churches and of Christians, what moves a person monumentally forward in their faith and in their growth is whenever they simply begin the practice of being in the scripture. You don't have to read for hours every day. You don't have to buy commentaries. You can pick up our today devotional. You can buy a Bible with devotional or reading plan built in. And if you just give yourselves a few moments every day at best or, you know, maybe a Monday through Friday and work it in with your work schedule and to get into the habit of feeding yourself God's Word. It says that all Scripture is God-breathed. This is so important that Paul invented a word here. Theophneustros, God-breathed. He invented a new word. never appeared before. It only appears a few times after, afterwards and always in context of referring to the Scriptures. All Scripture is breathed out. The breath of life coming from our Lord into these very, he can breathe life, he can breathe spiritual life through these words into the souls of men and women. And so we go to the scripture as the God breathed -breathed word that he has given to us. And he says that all scripture is useful. And what is the use of scripture? The use of scripture is to make us wise for salvation. It's not to be read as a trivia book. It's not to be read for, you know, interesting, you know, conversation points at your next dinner party, although all of that can happen. It is to be used to make us wise for our salvation. If you go into God's Word with the intention of saying, I want to understand how my salvation works and how my salvation is being worked out, it will become more and more clear to you in God's Word. I'm going to plow through some stuff here. First, it's useful for teaching. It's going to teach you poetry. It's going to teach you history. It's going to teach you some, uh, about battles that were fought. It's going to teach you about the lives of men and women uh, who, who lived gloriously for God and, and died crazy deaths. I mean, it's going to teach you so much cool stuff. We need to be open to the teaching. So we first open God's Word, say, teach me something new, Lord teach me. And be honest with the Bible about where you're at and what section you're reading. If it's history, it's history. History. If it's poetry, it's poetry. If it's one of the prophets, it's prophecy. If it's one of the letters to the churches, it's a letter to a church, and it's instruction for the church. So allow yourself to be taught by the Scriptures. As the Scriptures teach us, it says, then we're going to get some rebuke. That's a fun word. Everybody loves that word there, right? Rebuke. Oh, I mean, th- there's a sense of then, then. okay, what is amiss? As I'm learning new information, is there anything amiss? Is there anything off in my life? It will reveal, like a mirror would re- reveal flaws in our faces or in our dress. It's going to reveal or rebuke, say to say, whoa, whoa, something is off. Wonderfully, the scriptures don't leave us there. After it teaches us, and sometimes then it will rebuke us, it will then always offer the correction. And if there is a flaw, if there's an error, if there's something wrong, it will show us the correction. It will teach, it will rebuke, it will correct, and then it will train us in all righteousness. Then we can get a step ahead to live holy and committed and righteous lives. Why? So the person of God will be, and you have to love this, thoroughly equipped, thoroughly equipped, all that we stand in need of for every good work. I heard an illustration, I got time for, time for one here, I heard, I heard an illustration um, that, that if somebody w- said they wanted to learn martial arts, how ridiculous, how ridiculous it would be if you signed up for martial arts, and you went to the dojo, and the sensei had everybody go in and sit down, and for an hour, the sensei just went crazy, doing kicks, doing I was going to do, I'm not going to, you know, just doing stuff, you know, going nuts there, do, doing everything, and you know, and at the end of an hour, bowed and said, thank you very much, and walked away, and everybody walked away, and then they just did that for week after week. Would you be learning martial arts? You would not, you you would be watching martial arts. You'd be being entertained by, you would not be learning martial arts. And then the person said, how often do we approach church and faith and worship this way? You know, we come in, and now I guess I'll have to play the part of the sensei. You know, I, I come in here and I wow you with Bible knowledge, you know, and I do my kicks and my punches and my roll, you know, ooh, ooh, ooh. And then if we, walk, if, if, if we walk away and we do nothing, we have not become thoroughly equipped, all of us, for the good works that God calls us to do. So, so, so we come in here, we come to God's word. Not to be amused or entertained or just to pass another hour. And so that we can go and we can do it. We become the practitioners of it. So that we can be equipped for the good work. Okay. And then how do we do that? We do that because the third movement that we are the body. The body of Christ. The Bible, well, let's say this. Jesus called his twelve. The twelve go out and they begin to carry on the ministry and the mission of Jesus Christ. Paul goes out and he plants churches. The churches grow and more and more people come in. And the body, the body of Christ began to grow. To such a degree that, and think about this, to such a degree that Paul goes and he plants a church in Rome. And then he goes off on some other missionaries and and he ends up in a prison in Philippi. And then he wants to reach out to these people. And and you could pick many of the letters of the New Testament. He, He wants to reach out again to the people in Rome that he shared the gospel with, and that came to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. And he thinks he he is about to die, actually. And so so he writes one of his most magnificent letters, Romans. I mean, it's huge. I mean, if you've read Romans, I I hope you have, because I hope you're in the Word, because that's one of the ways we are with God. It's a huge letter. He writes this letter, one copy. He sends it off to Rome, and everybody hears it. He sends this letter. The church was so connected that he knew he could take one copy, he could send it on his way, say goodbye to it forever. And that letter, which takes hours to read through, would be passed along and shared and read aloud to every believer in Rome. Imagine if somebody had this incredible experience or whatever, you know, from another season and they said, I want to send this to the church in Denver. (laughs) Where would that even go? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who would read that? How would that? And Okay, and I'm not saying we go back to that age and stage. That was a time and, and that was a place. But the body was so connected at the beginning. And we need to do everything that we can to maintain that connection. You need to be a part of the body of Christ. To experience his spirit at work in your life and in the church. He wrote this to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, going to start in verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many." If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. I have to drive this home. And so the band, you guys can get ready to come on up, and we're going to spend some time worshiping and experiencing God with us as we collectively are the body worshiping God. Here's Here's one of the deepest joys of my life. Here's one of the greatest joys of my life. I go out from here, and I get to interact with you every day of the week. I get to have meetings with you. I get to have Bible studies with many of you. I get to visit and have coffee with many of you. I get to have conversations with many of you. I have a with you relationship as the pastor of the church. And it is such a joy. It is such a blessing. It is truly such a privilege. And daily, daily, I get the opportunity to feel the body the power of the body, the energy of the body, the excitement of the body. I get to experience myself being a part of something so much bigger than me, and it is a a true, true joy in my life. Don't deny yourself that joy. (laughs) Don't rob yourself of that privilege. Don't rob yourself of one of these key things that God has given to us for us to be with Him. He's given us His Spirit so that personally, we know the abiding presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives through His Spirit and growing His fruits. Don't deny yourself the best tool that we have to experience Him with us, and that is His Word. Just just get into it a little bit regularly. Just get into it a little bit regularly, and you will feel Him with you in powerful ways. And don't deny yourself the gift of one another because something special happens when we are with one another as the body. It is undeniable. And it can change everything. I've said this before, but I only got a few tricks up my sleeve, so i got to say it again. But in the mornings, I'm often for a walk uh, with my dogs, and, um, and, I, and I give that as a bit of a time that I go through a series of prayers. Actually, in the book of Acts, when it says that the Spirit came upon them, they're devoted to one another, it says they're devoted to the prayers. The Jewish people had a series of prayers that they would go through. And that's good practice for us fuf- who have received the fulfillment of the promise. To have a series of prayers. And I'm always praying the Lord's Prayer. Obvious, a given, a go to. Lately, I've been exploring some other prayers because Jesus didn't just have one prayer. He had, a, in fact, his longest prayer is John 17. And I've been trying to set that to memory and set that to heart and go through John 17. Matthew 22 is when Jesus prays right before he's betrayed. And it's a beautiful prayer. So, we go through these prayers, but one of the things that I do, and it sounds so silly whenever I say this, but um, at least to me it sounds silly, is I kind of go through some affirmations. My first affirmation, my first affirmation that I say to my dogs in the morning, <laughs> my dog's going to be Christian whether they like it or not before, because I kind of like walking, and I say, I say, you are a part of the body of Christ. My first affirmation every day, George... You are a part of the body of Christ. And then I remind myself, Christ loves you. Christ died for you. Christ rose for you. Christ is coming again for you. Great points of affirmation there that we all need to remember. I'm a part of the body of Christ. Christ loves me, died for me, rose for me, has come again for me. And then number three, I say, without you, George, Christ's body is broken. That's what this passage is telling us. This passage is telling us that, you know, the eye can't say to the ear, we don't need you. The ear can't say that no part of the body can say to the other part of the body, we don't need you. If you aren't there, the body is broken. To let that soak into me every day that I have a part in the body of Christ, and He is going to use me to fulfill my part as one of the most beautiful and meaningful affirmations that I can give myself, and I want to give it to you. You are a part of the body of Christ. Christ loves you. Christ died for you. Christ rose for you. Christ is coming again from you. And my friends, my brothers and sisters, without you, Christ's body is broken. Please be a part. Give us the gift of you in this. And so, there we are. Our time is up. I told you it was a lot of teaching. As we prepare to worship and then leave this place, please don't let this go nowhere. God has given us everything that we stand in need of for him to be with us. God came to us. God promised his son to us. The son came to us. The son lived for us. The son died for us. God has done everything in his power, everything that is required. We have all that we stand in need of to be with God. Amen? And now we can reciprocate and say, God, I will be with you. I want to be with you through more of your spirit having control over my life. Grow your fruits now of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, generous self-control. God, you've given us your word and now I want to be with your words so that you can make me wise in my salvation, equipping me for the work you've called me to do. And I will be a part of your body. You have a purpose, a plan, a place for me in your body and I want to fulfill it. Let's step into these three beautiful gifts that he has given us to be with him. Let's pray, and then let's worship, all right? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you are with us, and we may be with you always and ever to the very end of the age. And I already preached it, so I don't need to drag it on anymore, but I pray for the man, for the woman, for somebody here today, that this could be the day of an eternity, a life of forever changed, because we receive the gift of life by salvation through you, Jesus Christ. And with that salvation, we know, is the filling of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit that raised you from the dead is the Spirit that raises raises us to life and gives us the mouths to confess and the hearts to believe that you are Lord. And so we welcome your Spirit. We invite your Spirit. Spirit, fill this place and fill our lives. Be with us, Holy Spirit, and grow your fruits in our lives. Lord, We take this gift that you've given us of your holy scripture, this word, and we just want to store it up in our lives because we want to be wise. We want to understand this salvation that comes as a gift. And now we want to be equipped for the good works that you call us to do. And we don't turn away from this gift of the body, but let us be the very body of Christ. Each and every one of us, a member of it. it. Each and every one of us in this room, a member of your body fulfilling the plan that you've prepared in advance for us to live into. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.